Parties, episode 118 from the Las Vegas Review Journal, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my fine colleague and newest member of the BTS Army, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was fun. Uh, yes, I did take my girlfriend to uh, the BTS concert out here in Las Vegas on Friday. Went to a couple of the pop-ups. And uh, I will say this. That was one of the most high-energy concerts I think I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I, I've been... Like, I went to... I'm a big Garth Brooks fan. I went to Garth Brooks last year. And uh, everybody was singing along at Allegiant, which was really cool. But I don't think I've ever been to a concert where, like, everybody was like dancing and singing and on their feet the entire time uh kudos to bts because my goodness they they certainly tailored their show to their fans and as i said last week anybody that can like take over a city uh more power to them we can only hope that we can be that popular one day in our field ryan (laughs) (laughs) we'll get there we'll get there one day (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no other than that honestly didn't game a lot i was recovering after that how was your easter weekend ryan you know it it was it was good i was watching all the uh i know there's a lot going on with the bts army uh being in town i thought i had one tweet you had dude like had like twenty two thousand likes on it i was like i was like that's crazy um but it looked like you guys had a lot of fun over there and it was nice having them out here for the last couple of weekends it was a lot of fun i've got a lot of friends that are into into their music and just were going out and doing activities obviously that's also a boon uh for the economy here as well so you guys are always welcome here bts um other than that though gaming wise i'm not gonna lie i i I got I'm going to say it like this peer pressured. It was going to happen eventually into getting tiny Tina's Wonderlands, And I am absolutely loving it. I've, I've played the second and third ones. I love those as well. I don't even know why I was sleeping on this, but the, everything about that game is so much fun. If you, you know, I like my looting and I like my shooting and they've got fantastic characters. Everything about that game is a ton of fun. So I've been playing a lot of that. Tried getting some Destiny in. I couldn't since last week and we spoke. So we were supposed to be on here with Scott. We're going to introduce him here in a second last week. However, my computer decided to melt down right before the podcast. So uh, after one stick of RAM and my big hard drive uh, failing uh, due to maybe some user errors, uh, we got everything back. So we're here and we're good and we appreciate your patience. But it was good hanging out with the family for Easter as well. And and enough about us, please. Uh, you know, I, I have, like I just said, the the ever patient Scott Smith, co-founder and managing director of Do Not Peak Entertainment is joining us today. Scott, how are you, my friend? How was your weekend? Uh, what's going on? I'm good. I'm glad we finally hooked up. I'm glad you got yourself all fixed up over there. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> it was fun catching up with you guys that you're in Vegas. Uh, I went to UNLV ages ago. Yes. So that, that's fun, some fun stuff. This weekend, I didn't play any games. I uh, watched a lot of video gaming. Uh, big into esports here mm-hmm. at Do Not Peak. Uh, and so we've got Counter-Strike happening over the weekend as well as Valorant happening over the weekend. Big tournaments leading towards uh, big land finals for both those games. Been keeping an eye on that mostly myself. Uh, not really gaming much, unfortunately. Yeah. 
get, you know, sometimes it, it gets like that. I feel like there's that kind of ebb and flow of sometimes it's slow and we get a ton of gaming in. Other times it's like, well, there's life, so games are going to have to wait. <laughs> yep. um, but it's also nice, too, being able to watch and just, uh, uh, you know, hang out and, and, and watch people compete uh, is a lot of fun. We're going to get into that. But first, we got to get into some news. Uh, I'm curious to see what your, your your thoughts are on this, Lucas. Lay it on us. What, what is Microsoft possibly doing? <laughs> yeah, so Microsoft is reportedly uh, thinking about slash tinkering with a system to have in-game ads uh, in their free-to-play game. So I guess let's let's just start there. Uh, suppose, supposedly only in their free-to-play games. Uh, the examples mm-hmm. I saw in this article were like just kind of like those billboards there in like racing or open-world games. Uh, <laughs> look, if they're not done invasively, like if they were really just like billboards as you were driving by in a racing game, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Uh call me skeptical of the industry in general. (laughs) I don't ever assume that those ideas will stop there. And I I just wonder if it, if it starts being too much in your face, that it becomes distracting. Uh, Like, you know, I don't want to see a monster energy billboard in my face in like a fantasy free to play open world game. (laughs) Like that's that's just a little bit too weird for me. (laughs) Um, So, We'll we'll see how it's implemented. Uh, y- you know, it, it's you can't fault a company for looking for different revenue streams. Uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft, you know, tends to make decisions that that at least uh, on the surface are, are more gamer friendly than maybe some of its competitors. Uh, so so maybe uh, they deserve a little benefit of the doubt here, but. It, the devil will be in the details, and I'm just worried about how this will evolve long term. Scott, I I heard you chuckling. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've seen this before from developers mm-hmm. in a variety of ways. Um, so they're not necessarily the first to figure out, like, ad tech into side game engines. Counter-Strike did it for a little while. Valve mm-hmm. did with Counter-Strike. It was mostly their own in-game products they were kind of putting up on billboards and stuff. I think... It's very interesting because obviously now we have all this talk of the metaverse and like mm-hmm. this virtual world is the real world. So, you know, to take your idea to like the worst, maybe best extreme would be it's not a billboard that you run up to in Fortnite. It's a monster vending machine and you run up to the vending machine and you activate via your controller, or your keyboard and mouse controls and i just ordered a case of monster off of amazon (laughs) delivered to my house right that's what they want to do right they want to they they don't want to just show us logos they're going to want to interactivity and eventually so i think you're right it really depends on what they do with it if it is billboardy and uh, here's where i think they'll also get in trouble where they have to be really careful who uses it and i think this is what Mm -hmm. um Valve ended up saying that they had to shy away from it because this was a decade plus ago when they brought out the Source Engine. Advertisers like to have – you don't want your billboard up in a virtual world that then people can go grief the heck out of in a virtual Mm -hmm. world, record it, spray on it, deface it. So it really depends on where – how safely away they put it from the gamers that will try to grief the billboard, right? Right. Because you don't want 
Coca-Cola's logo screwed up with in-game assets to say something totally different or look different, and then that goes viral, right? So that's right. So now if Microsoft just uses it for all their own stuff. That's also safer. They're advertising their own IP, their own games, their own services. If they try to open it up to go sell the eyeballs that we all have in those games, that's where mm-hmm. I think you got to be careful. You got to put that ad far away if that makes sense, because people will deface mm-hmm. it. They'll try to, right? Um, interesting. It doesn't surprise me though that because. The more and more people spend their eyes on other screens, the more people want to advertise on those screens, right? It, computers, mm-hmm. phones, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is the next step. If so many people are gaming and they're in these worlds, how do we get them? Right. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, it, I feel like that's an ongoing conversation that we've been having is the business world more and more merging with this gaming world and this gaming color uh color uh gaming culture and i feel that it's almost like water and oil they they there's a hard time for them and to find that that I guess balance to where they're able to to do what they need to do on the advertising side but not make gamers mad or not want to play a certain game because of this and i think a lot of this does lie like like you guys are saying in how they go about uh doing this and i never even thought about it from the advertising side i've been thinking about it from more from the the gaming side and just visually seeing like seeing something like that or like is it going to be in my face and and take you out of that world take you out of that moment um it makes sense for them to do them into these these free-to-play games uh such as like a Fortnite or or something like that again they're 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 free so they're they've got to be a way for them to generate revenue but at the same time i also feel like it's very much a case of giving them give them an inch and they're going to take a mile and say wait Let's evolve this. We can do even more with this. Yeah. Let's, you know, and then that's where it's to become very problematic. So I think it's interesting that they're at least playing around with this and is they have every right to to do so uh within that. I just don't know, you know, depending on how they go about implementing stuff like that and in what games, like you're saying, Lucas, if they have some crazy ad in a game that it makes you know in this fantasy game <laughs> it's yeah. going to be very out of place and not only is that going to be damaging for the gamer but that also could be damaging for that brand or that company uh and be off-putting uh so you're right there's there's a very fine balance i feel that that is needed in order for not only to implement a system or things like this that they've already done but to be able to do it successfully uh where they're able to generate revenue from it but not turn off uh gamers from from particular games i'm curious to see what they do about this so what's this going to be called? So we have obviously, you know, the old days is you paid 60 bucks, you got the game, mm-hmm. right? right? Boom, right? Then then there's free-to-play, which is microtransactions and skins and guns and gun buddies and all other cosmetic mm-hmm. stuff because we don't want to mess with competitive integrity. You don't want to pay to win. But right. So what is this? Is it going to be like watch to win, like watch <laughs> to earn? Like, like what is that going to be to get me to want to then be immersed in a world that you're obviously going to advertise as a way to – to let me play it for free. That's the tip for tat, right? right? I right. had to play it for free, but I got to either pay stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want mm-hmm. you. I, and, and obviously there's a world that free games, people spend way more than their 40 to 60 bucks. If they would have bought that mm-hmm. bad boy off the shelf. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I wonder what, like, 
they track your hours. Hey, you what? You saw X amount of billboards. You get a free like I wonder it's a brave new world. Like I wonder what they'll do. I like the idea of walking mm-hmm. up to a monster machine though and actually ordering monster and having it show up or a Grubhub kiosk. You roll up uh-huh. in Fortnite, you got a break, you know, you've built your fort, so you got plenty of time, no one can kill you. And you go to your <laughs> Grubhub kiosk and you order some Grubhub and then it shows up at your office like that's a million. Right. I should That be would so be amazing, but I feel like on the adverse side too, especially with uh, some of these games that are geared a little more towards kids, them being able to have the ability to do that would be very bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you start saying, okay, can parental controls turn off advertising uh, right. situations so kids don't see that? Or is that the, your kid shouldn't play it then because he's got to see the ads because I made the game so you can see the ads so I can give it to you for free, right? So, yeah. Right. Not only that, but then they also have to deal with the the advertising laws, I imagine, that go along with that, too. So that's just going to make it even more complex of a system to be able to implement. Which I mean, is regional, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Right, same, exactly. same global game can't be advertised. Yeah, so I bet it's a very niche start. Maybe a few billboards advertising Xbox games, Xbox Live, Xbox services. Very safe things. Right, mm-hmm. not not monster, not the latest Intel chip or anything like that. Probably not. Right, I, I yep. do feel like that uh, we need to get on coming up with the marketing term before somebody uh, does it mm-hmm. themselves. And we can uh... <laughs> watch to win. Watch to win. <laughs> WTW. <laughs> get a catchy little acronym for it. Uh, people are Las on board. Vegas Review Journal, a highly reputable media organization <laughs> in Nevada. Heard it here first, folks. We're, we're just working on some side things, though. Uh, (laughs) yeah it'll be interesting to see how this plays out definitely keeping our eyes because that is a that would be a very complex but it makes sense doing a soft launch with uh their own products their own things and then seeing if there's a viable way to then bring it bring in outside brands um definitely something to see and then and of course if they're able to do it successfully you already know other people will start jumping on that uh, uh bandwagon and start figuring out ways that they too can implement ads into their games i mean so, i could i could see the terrible idea right now in a boardroom the guys are like hey you know we we we, we licensed that halo ip we made that show the show is doing really good <laughs> what if you're playing halo single player and you're driving and there's a billboard oh. tuesday nights you know you're like oh, no bad idea no. no like that's where it'd be bad right this like cross-pollination mm-hmm. of worlds will not work you know halo <laughs> ryan and i talked about this last week halo has enough issues with us right now that we don't need <laughs> we don't need to be doing that right now <laughs> Layer that on there for you. <laughs> I did watch that the, the third episode, and I feel like it's starting to. It's like, all right, let's do it. Hard. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll. You're gonna keep going, aren't it. you? I'm, of course, I am. I was You're never not man. gonna keep going. Either it's watching a, a a big hot tub of garbage on fire, or it turns amazing. Regardless, I am yep. here for the show. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. Uh, moving ahead though, we, I, I, I did, I did, so this was not on my radar. I, I, to be honest, I had never, maybe I did, and I'm not sure. And maybe, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's called, it's a new console that just launched called the Playdate console. And, uh, I don't know, I don't know where I am feelings wise with it. Um, it, it what? seems 
like it's a almost like a it almost reminds me of like a little Game Boy, basically. I mean, even the graphics in the in the games uh, and everything like that, it just reminds me of Game Boy. But they just launched uh, the console and it's supposed to be again, it's almost like a throwback uh, to 1980s consoles uh, such as your your Game Boy and whatnot. But it retails. This is kind of crazy to me. It retails at one hundred and seventy nine dollars. And for those that are watching the video, you can see uh, what it looks like. And uh, I don't know about all that. One hundred and eighty dollars for something that I mean, again, it, it just it reminds me of a Game Boy. It's like I get it. You know, the nostalgia, all those feels. But is it worth one hundred eighty dollars to you? Not to me personally, uh, but maybe it is to other people. As of right now, um, they got they got twenty thousand orders in just twenty minutes. So clearly, uh, there is a market for this. And I guess I could see this maybe for younger younger kids or for those, like I said, uh, that are all about that nostalgia and those those feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. But I mean, even at that price point, you're you're pretty close to being able to just get a like a switch or something uh so why not you know so i i'm not sure how i feel about this um there's also this extra little crank yeah what um, is is that like the battery power like charges the battery no back? so so this is so the crank apparently is something that uh works with the games and you have to use the crank in order to oh, do it's certain a, things it's like a yeah peripheral. so it's okay, like got it yeah okay, got so it's like it. all right that's that's yeah, it's like okay. that's something that's unique. Um, I know that they plan on doing drops. I think they said basically online drops every I think every month is two games. So they're releasing two games every month. And I don't think there's any kind of like cartridge uh, that you can put into it. I think it's strictly online games uh, that you play on there. So Download it. I, yeah, yeah. So it's like this is interesting. Um, I again, this really wasn't on my radar, uh, but I'm curious to see what your guys' thoughts are on this. That this is something that you would uh, possibly pick up. Not for uh, one eighty. Yeah. Not not on my end. Uh, it, it looks like a quirky little system. Uh, however, like it would. <laughs> It would have to be cheap enough for me to be like an impulse buy, <laughs> like right. and and one eighty is just too expensive for that for that now to that's happen. That's it. That's uh, an interesting cool. little setup. What is that little setup? That it it looks like it may have accessories. <laughs> yeah, what the heck is accessories? <laughs> like, yeah, like I mean, a little like yeah, it's crazy. It's definitely not something I would buy, but I absolutely get that a metric boat ton of people will probably fall in love and totally buy this thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, does, I mean, it does seem expensive, um, but I guess if that gets you all the games, they're going to keep cranking out, and you know, you get your. It's all about your money's worth with all this kind of stuff, right? So, like, right. what's what's an hour of gaming worth to you, and how many hours will you get out of this little thing? Now, if you drop it, like it, it looks like it would have been was it kickstarted or something? Like, did it get made with you know some sort of? Um, process like that or this like come out of the dark as a done product do we know you know what I, mean? I patreon or anything like that personally don't know if it went through a kickstarter i think they originally announced it 
in was it i believe 2019 or even sooner than that and i think um i think it was supposed to release here at least a couple years ago and um just with the pandemic and the shortages and all that production line stuff it completely slowed it up um but i bet it more expensive i bet it was cheaper before the pandemic which exactly that might be a problem for them like it maybe was 120 bucks or you know like because again you know that's you get what you what you want out of it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want that. I'll I'll pay a little bit more and wait for my Steam Deck to show up. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I could totally see. To your point, this is the old Game Boy. This old nostalgia. Like it reminds me of that Oberdin game that saw the rage a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and, and that's kind of a uh, it's an interesting name for the console in itself. It, it, I mean, this whole thing is just piqued my interest i i I, you know again i i feel like i didn't really hear much about it and then all of a sudden i'm 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 seeing reports on it being released and i'm just like oh that's interesting like i could see it but like that price point feels steep for you know what it does not only that but but i think it's also a little concerning um as far as you know they're saying that they're going to release games online uh to you and 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 here's what it how long does that last for is that you know in perpetuity is that the first year we'll do it and then they're gonna there's a different plan like i feel like there's there's more i need to learn about this to see where that value is. Otherwise, I I feel like I mean it's a it'd be a cool it, it's a it's a fun for me it's like a fun showpiece. You know, it's like it's something cool to have. I'm like, oh check this out or whatever. But like, am I gonna legitimately play on this? You guys already know what my backlog looks like. It, it's it's ridiculous. There's <laughs> slim chance that I am going to play this on the regular, especially um but interesting though and for those that are looking for something like this uh i believe they are on sale now like we said 179 and uh well i'm gonna have to do some more research on this as well just just to see and get into the the specs and technical things of this but definitely interesting new consoles man it it is it is gaming is right in the forefront in the spotlight everyone is about it and i'm i am 100% completely here for it. So we shall see. I, I wanted to hit one more quick note. <clears throat> Excuse me. Had to cough. Um, finally, finally, and it's not happening in, in Overwatch, but we have a new hero coming, and, and this is supposed, she's supposed to be coming for the Overwatch uh, 2 beta, which I believe releases next month. I signed up for it. I haven't gotten any word on on whether i'm in or not i am i am hoping and hoping that i am but sojourn has officially been released uh we we know about her and we've and and those that are familiar with overwatch in some of the animated stories uh we've actually seen this character before we know that she was part of the original um overwatch team and now we finally, not only are we getting a little bit of gameplay look at her, uh, getting to see what her abilities are, we still don't know what she's officially going to be classed as. However, in my opinion, she looks like she may be DPS. 
Um, but again, you also have to remember that there's a lot changing in Overwatch 2, such as only one tank as opposed, it's only going to be 5v5 as opposed to being 6v6. So um, I'm curious, I, I'm, I'm ready to get in. I'm ready to get in. I want to play the game. I'm so excited to finally get a, a new, even though I, I feel like they do they do a really good job with these animated shorts and, and building in the lure or the lure, the lore. Um, I, I, I felt like hers was a little underwhelming. But again, I think the main point was to just introduce and give us a general uh, idea of who this new character is going to be. I'm more excited to explore who she is as a person, how she fits into the Overwatch team and and what all that looks like. Uh, but this is this is exciting. This is one of the reasons, you know, again, that I've I kind of haven't really been playing much Overwatch is because I know that we weren't getting new heroes. Everything's staying stagnant essentially until um, Overwatch 2 comes out. We know that once Al, Al starts, they're going to be playing um, the season in, in this beta build of Overwatch 2. So I'm really excited. I think that's going to be a huge way because we know, and especially again with the pandemic, that uh, you know Overwatch has, I, I felt like the league has struggled a bit um, especially when they had to go to just online play and not being able to bring people into arenas. And then, cause I really, I really feel like there's a big fo focus on building these, these teams that in cities that people can be proud of and, and trying to go more of a traditional sports route. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this season plays out, but I'm excited. I can't wait to get my hands on her, see what she's all about and get more lore, uh, as to who she is and how she fits into, uh, the whole Overwatch team. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of that franchise's strengths has been the, uh, the fleshing out the characters, uh, you know, through some of their animated shorts and all that have been been actually pretty wonderful and fun to do uh, a watch mm -hmm. and keep track of I, i'm kind of interested to see how the hype builds for overwatch 2 uh because i feel like the first overwatch was a pretty interesting case where uh obviously a ton of people jumped on uh i spent a lot mm -hmm. of hours playing casually uh with it uh but then i i think it it, it just seemed to just grow stagnant and i think the the lack of release it seemed like compared to what other games were putting out uh, of new characters played a part into that where gameplay just kind of got stale uh and for players like me at, at some point i was like look i can't like i'm not being good enough to be in like the super competitive scene and eventually i'm just right. like all right i think i've taken this as far as i can go uh, so i'm kind of interested to see the how the hype builds for overwatch 2 uh it, it doesn't seem to be a game that that i think has entered the public uh conversation yet uh although i'm sure the new season of owl will help change that and help build toward it uh so i think the overwatch 2 just as kind of like a test case is going to be fascinating to watch as a whole and see how they kind of build up to this yeah scott obviously you guys deal with esports production and stuff what what are your thoughts on this how do you think do you think uh, i want to know not only on the new character but um overwatch 2 in the league in general yeah um i'm sure we're big esports guys 
guys at Do Not Peak, Jason, uh, my partner, also managing director and co-founder, uh, worked for the Overwatch League at the start of it all, helped to organize all their observing and how they showed all the in-game and uh, helped stand that league up as he did for Counter-Strike and the E-League product at Turner Sports. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're knee-deep in esports production, and it's in our blood. I, I think Overwatch, a, cu- a couple things have happened since Overwatch, this beautiful game, got dropped on us, right? Because it was. Mm-hmm. I played the heck out of it. I'm one of the best over 50 Lucios on the planet, probably. Let's go. Let's I, my movement, go. My movement is insane as Lucio, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it hit, when it dropped, it hit at the right time. You know, class-based, uh, action shooter, all the right things coming from a AAA studio, Activision Blizzard, you know, not really known for their shooters per se, uh, mm-hmm. but they, they, they nailed it. We all played it. Uh, the esports side of it got really weird real quick. Uh, because yeah. mo- most esports are taken by the community and the players of that game, and you, you figure mm-hmm. out rules. You start throwing cups. You start throwing tournaments. People start learning how to broadcast it and talk over it. Well, Blizzard let that happen for a while, and then they stopped everyone using their game for a while as they prepped right. and planned to drop this franchise league on the world, this Overwatch league. There was a long gap of about a year plus where no one could use it, no licensing. Remember, in our world, you got to license the game to use the game in esports. You can't just use it throw big tournaments they own the ip so then they launch a very closed very expensive private league again to your point modeling nfl team-based city-based uh Mm -hmm. doing something that no other esport had tried to do meaning tie a city to a local fan base that maybe will go locally represent and go cheer on we're very global we go to all different places around the world where the arena is doesn't necessarily match who's playing in the sports is very the opposite of that so big experiment very expensive if you're a team owner right 20 30 million dollars for a franchise so they stumble a little bit. They slowly get it up and running. They just maybe start to hit their stride. They spend a lot of money on a stadium, a studio stadium in Burbank. COVID hits, um, what, season three? I think they did two seasons maybe out of mm-hmm. Burbank. Um, and I think they also realized, and the team owners most especially realized, that maybe us all being tournament organizers and us having to have big venues ourselves and only use them once in a while, maybe mm-hmm. – because football can do it because that stadium's used for a bunch of other stuff, exactly. right? And baseball and basketball, right? But if you're the if you're Cloud Nine or you're any of these big teams, yeah. so I think the owners push back on the true home in a way to get it mm-hmm. more. And it turned into more of a show matches in the sense of regional. We went to regionals and home stands, right? So you were right. much better hybrid model, right? Then COVID hits, um, and they have to go fully remote. Now, here's where, unfortunately, it gets really not so great for Overwatch as a product. So you've got a waning game. So a, a, an FPS like this needs a couple things. You need a lot of maps on a regular basis, and you, mm-hmm. need, a lot of, and you need a lot of characters, heroes, champions, whatever you want to call that agent. You need that to keep this game fresh to the millions that need to play it. Forget the eSport right. for a second. Just keep it a popular game, right? And they got behind on releases of heroes and maps and upgrades. Overwatch 2 is supposed to be a totally different, big, huge, beastie game. It's ended up being not quite that. It's a new multiplayer. Obviously, lots of things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Not to mention all the non-game-related Activision Blizzard (laughs) news for the last three years, right? We'll just put that big black thing over here, that Mm -hmm. mark that is not going anywhere for a while. Biggest thing that happened to them, though, during all this is Riot decided to give us a game called Valorant. Very similar game. Agents, abilities, 
objectives, a little bit more like Counter-Strike than Overwatches in the sense of like, you know, you're pushing a pay, payload and all those kind of things, but still a game that needs lots of maps, a lot of updates like that, and a lot of agents to keep it fresh, right? And they're giving it mm-hmm. away for free. Overwatch is now free. So Overwatch has competition now, right? That it, it, it never had before, and it's its own competition in this right. Overwatch League product. Because what's also going to happen on the esports side is Riot will franchise Valorant. They will right. franchise it because League of Legends, the number one esport on the planet, is franchised, right? right. So they'll mm-hmm. and it's franchised because Riot likes it that way, and the team owners like it that way. This is a this is a very favorable two way street because the owners want to be in a franchise system so they don't lose their investment. Can't blame them for it. I I like an open world. I like Counter Strike far more, where you can get kicked out and lose your spot in leagues. You know, but North American, you you don't lose your spot in the NFL if you have a terrible season. You can have lots of terrible. You never lose you. So that's what team owners want. They want that stability. It looks good on their bottom line. Hey, an LCS spot's worth twenty five million dollars this year. So they will put Valorant in a franchise box. So now you've got two of these very similar games, also in a very similar esports ecosystem it'll be it's going to be a battle and i don't i don't think activision blizzard's going to win it i think they're going to continue to have trouble with the overwatch league as a product i think i i i I, yeah i think yeah i don't know and i could be wrong i could be wrong Mm -hmm. um i think what what does help is we are getting back to normal we are getting back to stadium events we're getting back to uh studio events even with these players in places together so we're kind of getting back to the entertainment as it used to be so now Mm -hmm. we can maybe better judge how everyone will do um but you know riot's been throwing arena events for valorant all year now not necessarily with fans not with fans necessarily but they've been doing iceland four times now Overwatch right. hasn't done that yet, right? So, like they they lost any steam that big franchise league had. I think is they're really behind the eight ball now. Um, that's my long rant on Overwatch. <laughs> and no, actually, good friends that work there, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, and I'm right there with you, Scott. I I feel like it's just it just has not. It's just it was already having trouble being yeah. successful before the pandemic the pandemic exacerbated uh the issues and now you know you had major players leaving from the development team then obviously everything came, uh, came out uh, all their legal issues that they had um it 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 absolutely breaks my heart because I love this game so much. I have so many memories and playing with friends. I'm used to play with my brother and, and all this. And it's, it's hard to recapture something like that, especially after all the just dirt and dirty things that I I feel have, it just feels dirty with the, you know, with the the release schedules and, and them basically being like, yeah, we're going to come back out and it's still going to have the PVP. I want that PVE uh, as well, but I feel like, I mean, I only, it almost feels like you guys missed the boat. You know, the, the opportunity was here like two or three years ago to move on it and everything just kind of fell apart. And unfortunately I feel like the league has suffered as well. I felt like it, 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 had basically shot itself in the foot. Not only, uh, you know, we're talking about going and, and having these live events, but um, just it, you know, they moved from Twitch to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was also a weird transition year where they just didn't get nearly the numbers and viewership and, and, and you know, things that, that really helped that bottom line. Uh, so they just, I, I feel like, it, yeah, this is, 
I'm I'm nervous for it. I'm I'm nervous for it. You know, and one thing to keep in mind is like they've got their own like barometer right in the building because they can look at their sister product, the CDL, Call of Duty mm-hmm. franchise league, same company, and look at those low numbers. Like they're both like you look at the numbers and you look at the broadcast beautifulness of it, and you know mm-hmm. you start adding up how expensive the show is, and you're like, how. How can this go on? And I think right. I always heard I always heard years ago, like, it's a five-year plan. It's a five-year plan. They'll never pull the plug for five years at least. Like everyone was in for five years. So we'll, we're going to get close to five years on the Overwatch League soon. Uh, we'll right. see. Um, I, yeah, I, I just I, I don't know if the bang is worth the buck. And I, I say that even when I, I'm a big Counter-Strike guy. I watch ESL events when they take over stadiums and I go, mm-hmm. hey, there's – Half a million people watching, but they're not monetized in the same way right. this traditional world, right? So right. even the half a million, you're like, how are you, how are you paying for all? Are we still just waiting? <laughs> are we hoping? Are we still finger crossing this one? Like, right. so you know, it's it's just kind of scary. Um, as I say that from a very expensive production building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hire exactly. us, though. Hire us. We'll make it. <laughs> They'll make it happen. Speaking of which, let's take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and see what's going on oh. at Do Not Peak Entertainment. We'll be right back, y'all. If you love listening to us here on Land Parties, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On And on top of that... We'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team or game, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to the short messages. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And Scott... I want to start at the beginning. When you guys were were forming Do Not Peak here, what were you seeing in the landscape? Like, what what was lacking in the esports production world that you guys thought you know we can really make a mark and and offer a, a superior service uh, in that space? So uh, a couple things uh, led to our company uh, kind of getting up and running. First and foremost, our team of uh, pretty much freelancers. We had spent uh, decade plus each of us working for other companies uh, in various production aspects, uh, tournament organizers, game developers, um, and, you know, going into their control rooms, into their trucks, and putting on esports events basically for other people, directing, producing, all these different things. And, you know, Jason and I are a little older than the demographic, and so I get a little tired of hotel rooms, tired of, you know, convention, food, all these kind of things, and you start thinking, like, what do you want to do next, you know? And he was freelancing, he was on the road, like, grinding it, working for all these different TOs. And I was sitting at home, um, retired, um, 
not knowing what I wanted to do next. I was one of the owners of Evil Geniuses when we got bought by Twitch. So I was thankfully mm-hmm. able to take some money on my paper and decide not to do anything for a little while. But while I was doing that, I was like, yeah, what do I want to do? I don't want to, I don't want to keep giving my brain away for a daily rate. Cause in the production world, you know, you have a rate, you're a TD, you're a producer, you're a director, you're a camera operator, whatever. And you go do that thing for that day. And that's what you get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of giving your expertise away for the wage and for the day. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of doing that. Like I, I'd like to give it to myself or do it internally. And Jason was tired of freelancing and, we had an opportunity. Um, there was a studio in town that kind of cold called me here. In, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. Um, and they cold called me because they had gotten my name from somebody else because they were investigating gaming and esports. And they knew that they should be in gaming and esports content. Everyone's making gaming and esports content. Twitch is worth billion dollars. Amazon just bought them. What is this? And this is like a commercial production facility making commercials and all sorts of normal stuff, right? Not gaming mm-hmm. or, or esports related. So I go down and meet them and they're in Scottsdale and uh, it's a nice facility. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is a nice place. What are you guys doing? And they were commercials, this, that, and the other. And, uh, and, I basically leave there going, yeah, maybe I'll consult with these guys, make sure they knock on the right TO doors. And long story short, I reach out to Jason and I'm like, hey, you're not going to believe this. So I go right down the street from my house, beautiful place. And I didn't know it. Jason tells me he's actually freelancing for a guy, a company that is looking to open a studio somewhere. And mm. they might open it in Phoenix. They are not necessarily, they might open it in Atlanta because they have some content creators in Atlanta. They have some content creators in Vegas and in LA, and they don't know where to open this thing. And Jason's been tasked to maybe find location, figure out what gear you buy, how you staff it and everything. I'm like, well, well if you guys don't care where you put it, maybe I found your place. Cause this is a place mm-hmm. looking for, they need gaming and esports people. You guys are gaming and esports. And I'm still like, I'm just going to be retired and, Jason's a good friend of mine. And, you know, so I said, come see this place and maybe this is the studio and you don't need to build it. Why spend millions of dollars on a studio if you can work a deal and like be in one and rent it or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. so Jason and this guy Steven Saltz, who uh is the CEO of Rivalry Sportsbook, uh come and uh we start having some conversations. They see the studio and I'm like, okay, what, what do you need it for? What do you do? Why? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, and again, they have content creators. They sponsor different people. They sponsor some teams and they, the, you know, content is King. You want to make content for your socials, content for everything. And so I'm like, well, okay, you don't need to own it. Right. In the sense of uh, rivalry doesn't necessarily need to own the studio. Why don't we, us three open a production company? Jason and I want to do this. We've always wanted to work together again. We have worked together in the past a lot. We don't want to do it on the road anymore. So if you're willing to help, why don't we open a studio and we'll put it in a studio? So think like mm-hmm. the um, – it's a very traditional like movie making, maybe not in 2022, but more of the traditional Hollywood movie making uh, setup would be, you know, uh, Universal owns the sound stages. They own right. the acreage. They own all those sound stages, all that land. Then they make deals with ten production companies who take a little bit of office space, and they're going to rent that sound stage and that sound stage to make their movie. Right. This production company rents some office space. They're going to make this movie, this TV show, this movie, right? And it's not all made by Universal. It's all made by these production companies. Universal right. distributes, right? So that was the model. We'll embed our production company in your production facility, and we'll make gaming and esports content. You'll give us a good rate because we're in your building makes it worthwhile for us to make the content away we go. So we opened do not peak pre pandemic in a studio in Scottsdale under this plan. And the idea behind the studio is that we're going to make our own content. We're a Twitch partner. We have our own YouTube channels, you know, uh, that are monetized. So we're, we're content creators in our own right. You know, you, 
you were in the world that just like you guys, you don't, you can make your own stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So we make our own Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, We've got a weekly news show every Tuesday on Twitch about the competitive world of Valorant called Valorant. It's like a sports center for Valorant, right? So, and then I had a I had a talk show going for a while. We'll always be making our own IP, right? Because as a production company, you always want to own some stuff if you can. There's always more money if you can own it and get it syndicated, whether you keep it on your own distribution channels or whether you sell it or push it somewhere else, right? So that's one part of Do Not Peak. And then pandemic hits, and so we just go remote. The studio mm-hmm. goes through the pandemic lockdown. I take care of a 92-year-old mom, so like – not looking to get her sick. I'm also old, not looking to get sick. So we spent two years just doing remote web camera shows, as we call them, using vMix and stuff like that, not using a fancy studio at all, uh, which is mm-hmm. really why we opened. We didn't open to do web camera shows. We opened to do fancy TV broadcast-looking stuff, right. broadcast control room, broadcast sound stages, broadcast cameras, the whole nine yards. So we had about five, six months of that. Pandemic hits, we just hunker down. Um, we kind of stop our uh, gross spend, if you will, because we're a startup. We just kind of let's wait this thing out because who? We no one knew. We no one knew how long this thing would last, right? Right. So right. then, during all that, we just decide, okay, we're not going to go back to this studio, um, but we we want to do a different studio. And as it turns out, the general manager of the studio we we're in before decides himself to build and open his own studio. Um, so we're kind of getting the milk again, but straight from the cow because he's yeah. he's the farm. He's the farmer. <laughs> he owns the farm now. There's like the same guy that BizDev does now decides to build his own studio, basically, right? right. Um, so and he did that. So we're, uh, during the pandemic, we moved in. We started with renting one little office in the front of this warehouse. We built out a whole bunch of offices behind us. He built out a sixteen thousand square foot studio. You're looking at it right now. This is part of it. Um, Bitfire Studios in Phoenix, Arizona. So again, same business model same plan he's built a beautiful facility control rooms uh sound stages we have an xr wall really really cool stuff and then we're embedded inside it with office space and then we just walk right down the hallway to use all the toys um really really cool stuff um and and the idea is to uh, use all the stuff we used in the sense of the scale and the quality that we were walking into with broadcast control rooms at turner sports and espn trucks Right mm-hmm. here at home, and then we can go sleep in our beds at night. Because pre- previous to my gaming career, I spent 20 years on the road doing event logistics for hospitality clients, corporate mm-hmm. meeting events, uh, uh, Olympics, World Cups, totally unrelated to gaming and esports. But like, I lived 200 days out of the year in hotel rooms that I have like, oh my oh, over it, over it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's fun for a little while, man. But like, it's like, yeah. nope. Just want to go home. So, so now, yeah. So, and this place just reopened in, in uh, October. So now okay. we're unremoted. We're back in. We're back in startup mode, rocking and rolling, and uh, that's do not peak. And the idea behind it is again, make our own content. Uh, use the building uh, to be a services tool. So mm-hmm. we can make stuff for you. We can co-brand it. We can white label it. We can make your shows, make your commercials. Be in front of that. Be behind that as little or as much as you want, kind of thing. Full. Uh, full services client. We could do this podcast right now for you if you want us to. I'll take it over right now. No, I won't. <laughs> so I am ready. <laughs> I will. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's do not peak. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're all about. Well, and, and let me let me take it back a little bit. You mentioned Evil Genius. Tell us, like, how? What exactly are your coming coming ups in in video games in the esports oh, world? 
Yeah. Oh God, is this, this is a, a little. Is, I know there's a lot. I know. Is there a time? Is there a time on this thing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yes, I'm old. I'm 55, 56, 56 this summer. So, yeah. So I'm gamer all my life. So for me, that means as a kid, like the Atari systems, the Coleco Visions, you know, in televisions, Coleco handheld football on the school bus. But always a gamer. And then right, obviously right into the arcades and all the stand-ups that you would know and love. Never really fell deep into the fighting game side although i really could have because that was all over the arcades you know but asteroids pac-man's all those yep. kind of things. pinball uh foos, you know uh you know you went to the bowling alley you went to the arcade um fast forward through college and life and everything to like 1999 obviously computer gamer all my life as well you know dooms and quakes and all those things single player 1999 comes out half-life comes out in 1998 greatest single player pc game ever freaking made still holds up if you've never played half-life or half-life 2 and you got a pc do yourself a flavor i yeah, totally I have it i have them oh, i do have them Ryan. <laughs> i know classic. i know i'm terrible classic <laughs> there's even some remakes out there that that hold up really well they've been reskinned mm. and everything just classic game pilling especially if you've got like a, a valve index and you play the alex uh vr game oh great mm-hmm. stuff oh, this is the easter egg Anyway, so Half-Life was huge in the world of modifications, right? The word mm-hmm. mods, um, and they, you don't see them as much anymore. I guess alpha and like uh, open, you know, uh, like uh, all the games you see on Steam that are free for a while, early access are like mm-hmm. are mods and betas or what we would think of betas and mods back in the day. Right. Anyway, so this mod drops for the Half-Life engine called Counter-Strike, and it's a free download it. And it's this thing where these guys are running around. You got to take, you got to gather hostages or hold the hostages. The very first Counter Strike was a hostage rescue, right? And I'm blown away. I'm like, whoa, what is this? This is awesome. No, because there's no single player. There's no, there's no AI. It's like you right. and other people, right? So it's very rudimentary multiplayer. And there already was Quake and Doom and those other, mm-hmm. and already had servers going. It wasn't the first, but this was a team game. So that was a little different, right? You weren't mm-hmm. dueling 1v1. Um, right. And I just instantly fell in love with it. Um, again, it led to that team I talked about it during the break, a UGP and a clan. And this kid asked me, he's like, gotta help me. Don't let anyone come up the ladder. I'm going to snipe everybody. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Um, and I did that. And then he invited me to his clan. And then I played every Tuesday in a bowling league clan, right? And I was yes. like, what are – Yeah. And, and I, the, again, this this 16-year-old high school kid is like, do you have MIRC? I'm like, what is MIRC? And he's typing, <laughs> he's typing to me in game, right? And I'm like mid-20s, 30s. I'm like, what is that? He links it to me, and I'm like, he's like, you got AOL, don't you? And I'm like, oh god, this guy. I did have, I did have AOL, right? Boomer so like, wasn't a term back then, I guess, but you know. Right. So, and then, he, so he gets me on this IRC client, and he's typing to me, and he's like, hey, it's. I'm like, what do you mean every Tuesday? And he's like, he's like, and he, the way he explained it to me has made perfect sense. He's like, it's like a softball league. Every Tuesday, we're gonna play Counter Strike against another team. We call them clans because he said clans to me, and again, I instantly, being an older guy, and not from an MMO world of guilds or anything. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I think, I think clan KKK right away. Right. I'm like, what's a clan. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. That's the only, <laughs> I'm not Irish. I'm not from a clan over, you know, like I don't know that word really in my vocabulary. So he very quickly goes, no, like a guild. I'm like, I don't know what a guild. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I don't play these games. Right. I, I play shooty, shooty, bang, bang games. And uh, so he explains like, okay, like a team. I go, I got it. And he's like, every Tuesday we're going to play. These leagues are going to pop up. And and that was my first taste of competitive gaming. And it was Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. Game is still played. One of the most popular games on the planet still, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Still watch it almost every day. Don't play it anymore. And so 
I got into that game hardcore, you know, because again, this goes back to communities picked games. You figured out rule sets and Europe was playing one way. We were playing another. Then we decided, well, if we're going to play each other once in a while, we should figure out. So we play the same way. So when we do meet mm-hmm. each other, we're playing the same rule set because they were playing totally differently, how they track scores and stuff. Anyway, so I go to a couple events. I start bumping into like-minded people, some that were not as old as me, but not kid kids. So I was like, oh, shit, there's other adults that care about my hobby too. It's not just like my clan mates that were 15, right. high school kids. So, and, you know, and some of these guys had started to start businesses. Um, a couple of guys had started a website called Got Frag. And Got Frag was meant to be an ESPN of Counter-Strike and ESPN when ESPN was a written coverage site, not ESPN, the broadcast Mm -hmm. company, you know, now. So think like early two thousands, you go to ESPN.com, you read about. So they wanted to be a a written, uh, a couple guys that were ex journalist students had graduated. So they started this website called God Frag. It was all about Counter-Strike roster moves. And then eventually demo repository and breakdowns of strats and really, really cool. So I bumped into these guys and they were smart and and they're like, Hey, you want to come help us? And I, so I started as an editor, uh, all free, all volunteer. None of us were making any money. You know, you ran some ads on the page, but your bandwidth cost way more and slowly got into the media side of covering this as a sport. Right. And then the light bulbs just for all of us start going off when you see how many people are reading the websites every day, ours and others, how many are watching from home or beating on your website while an event's going on because that's the only place they can get the score, right? right? Mm-hmm. Again, we had, we had, we had uh, IRC, like, score bots where you would type. Like, the score would show up in type, like, Scott killed John, John killed Frank, and there was yeah, no video, yeah. right? Uh. <laughs> and, and you'd listen, right? And DJ Wheat and those guys were audio casting, and you would try to sync your client. Crazy days. So, but I started meeting guys like, like Jason, who I met, decades ago who is now my partner in crime here Mm -hmm. and we started thinking about it okay we're a media company this is a sport how do you tell the story how how do you tell counter-strike as a sport what does around mean around is like a down what is the sport of counter-strike if i need to explain to someone in an elevator who knows nothing about counter-strike okay Mm -hmm. counter-strike is like football in the sense that one team is going to have a ball and they've got a limited amount of time to take that ball to the other side of the field. And their job is to plant that ball, right? Mm-hmm. Score that ball. If you score that ball and no, and you are all still alive and that timer goes out, you get one point. If they stop you and you all get killed before you score, they get a point. Right. If you mm-hmm. plant the ball, but they kill you and unplant it, you know, it's very simple stuff when you kind of put it like a ball. Right. Offense, right. offense is planting – Terrorists are offense. CTs, counter-terrorists, are defense. Mm-hmm. Very sports-like, right? And then you mm-hmm. start very easily figuring out how to tell the story. When When is a good time to play replays? What are you looking to show during the round? What can you show? And every eSport is different. So we got really good at looking at an eSport and going, okay, when do you show the third-person camera? When can right. you do that? Because you can't show the third-person camera or the guy in the other bomb site when the guy's about to peak and shoot the other guy so like right. again just like when you're calling a football game you got it you can't he's throwing back the throw and he throws it and there goes the ball and you cut to the crowd <laughs> no you don't cut to the crowd right <laughs> so all those kind of things so jason and i very especially jason very quickly became like the maestros of like how do you observe an esport how do you how do you tell the in-game because that is our sport right out right. of game's mm-hmm. easy a couple guys at a desk microphones they're gabbing to a camera in-game is what sports have easy because they they're all looking down on a field. 
and they just aim right. those cameras. We have a bonus that we can do that, but we can also put cameras in every – not only the quarterback's eyes, but every lineman's eyes. Very, very cool tool. So anyway, I, I told you it take a while. So <laughs> once I started working at Gotfrag, I started bumping into team owners and everybody else because um, Gotfrag, we then got bought by MLG. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, MLG went on a huge VC run years ago, bolstering their product base. They bought us. They bought a couple MMO WoW sites, um, and they were bolstering their portfolio to hopefully sell their entire portfolio to someone else. That's when they ran their own uh, broadcast platform. Um, a guy by the name of Mike Bromberg was CEO, XAOL guy, big suits that came in, uh, uh, basically Sundance. And Mike Sepso, I don't know if you guys have talked about them before, the guys that are the brainchild of MLG, kind of stepped back mm-hmm. a little bit. They hired some bigger suits with some money to come in to kind of really levid, leverage it. It's also when the CGS was being built by DirecTV, another big mm-hmm. entity that was going on right. at that time. Um, and so they were in this like build war. So they bought us to build their, to bolster their portfolio, invested some money in us. Uh, we launched, Jason and I launched a byproduct called Gotfrag TV, which really was the yep. broadcast arm of the coverage arm. So then we were doing, we cared less about the written word, you know, cause I was editor of the website for a while. We spun off different portals. There was a hardware website. There was a console, just general tons of news sites came out of the Gottfried family. Cause we were, we were spinning it up like gangbusters. So, but Jason and I focused on Gottfried TV. We actually opened a small little office here in town, like a thousand square foot office next to a chiropractor, one little stage, TriCaster cameras, away we go. Did that for about a year and a half. Money ran dry. Uh, 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 MLG said to Jason and I, hey, we got to close the shop, but we'd like you guys to move to New York if you'd like to. Uh, we said, are you going to keep covering Counter-Strike? They said, no, probably not. We're going to go back to our roots of console gaming. We said, we're not interested because we're not going to move to New York to talk about Halo and your games, Call of Duty and stuff because we're Counter-Strikers. So we said, no, he went back to the real world. I went back to the real world, got frag, then eventually closed it. It stayed up and running for about a year or two later, not with us. Um, I then, um, this whole time, while I was at got frag, the owner of evil geniuses, this young guy by the name of Alex Garfield would always, he, for a while, actually, he was also a volunteer at got frag. That's how we met each other. Uh, mm-hmm. he would, he would always, uh, when he was in college, uh, you bug me. And then after college, Hey, Hey, will you come help me at EG? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 and, and again, I, I don't know how much you guys know about it, the older, like tier ones of, of, of the teams of North America, you know, like obviously nowadays there's cloud nines and TSMs and sure hundred thieves. And you still have evil geniuses, but like back in this little transition period, the two big U S money dogs were team 3d and complexity. And then there yes. was Evil Geniuses, right? Evil Geniuses mm-hmm. was this upstart, scrappy Canadian brand ran by this little Scarfield guy. But Craig from 3D and Jason Lake, who's still at Complexity, had locked down all the big brands because, you know, the marketing for Red Bull can spend in one place on one team. You know, they all can only spend like Steel Series is going to sponsor one team in North America and Razor is going to sponsor the other. So they, and they had all kind of divided and conquered the bid boys, right? right. Then CGS mm-hmm. shows up, right? Championship Gaming Series. And you guys are getting a history, history lesson as well. So CGS yes. is this direct TV built and propped up league, right? And they took different games and you played dead or alive for them, or you were on their counter-strike roster, or you were on their race car team for them. Mm-hmm. And a match would be complexity takes on 
the New York 3D, and you'd play all the games, right? Your your Dead or Alive guys would fight, your racers would race, your Counter-Strikers would Counter-Strike, and at the end of the night, you'd have franchise points, and whoever won most, depending on, you'd win that match, right? Right, for the right. Night, right? And then it ended up with seasons and regionals, and they had a draft, and the, again, franchise system all owned by DirecTV, but very franchise, wacky franchise names. It was the New York 3D and the Dallas Venom. It was so cringe. It was ahead of its. It was. It was ahead of its cringe factor. Cringe wasn't a word yet, but it was cringe, right? And, they, and it was on Direct Direct TV Channel 101. Anyway, the reason for the story is when what happened is Direct TV went to Team 3D, went to all the big brands, right, in North America, and said, "Hey, we want to buy your team." And we want to hire you guys to come run teams for us in this new league. Going to be on TV. We're going to do it in Europe as well. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be on Sky Sports. It's, it's it, Again, this was a big deal for a while, right? It, it fell right. apart. It, for two seasons, it was a big deal. No one watched. No one cared. But it, it looked like TV. It smelled. It, it was wacky as shit. But, like, they went for it. So, <laughs> so Jason Lake sold complexity to CGS, and they got renamed the Dallas – wait, what was he? Was he the Dallas – I want to say it was Dallas Venom. He was L.A., L.A. Complexity. Okay. Okay, LA, yeah, okay. L.A. Complexity, and then Craig Levine sold Team 3D to them as well, and he was the three New York 3D because he's from New York, right? Mm-hmm. So – and then uh, this guy named – uh, Alex Conroy, who ran another team called Jack's Money Crew, was like, you know, top 10 North American brands, JMC. He dumped his team, joined as a general manager, and he ran Dallas Venom, the guy that ran, like, basically all the team owners either dumped their teams or sold, and they then took jobs, or they sold their teams and they went. So what it did to, it killed open ecosystem counter-strike and a couple esports in north america for a while because these teams left 3d stopped they they they, when they sold the 3d to new york all they did was the direct tv league so they no longer did any other game they were no longer an open brand and when they sold all these brands and teams to the league the owners were not allowed to bring any of their sponsorship Wow. So, so Intel, everybody who was sponsoring North American team esports at the time had to start over. Wow. Right? Jeez. Because DirecTV was going to do all the sponsorships, all the sales. Now, there, I think their right. thought was their thought was they'll tell New York 3D, to, they'll tell Intel, you can't sponsor Craig's team anymore, but come talk to us and maybe you can sponsor the entire league. Right. Mm. And, and that never really materialized. But So, what happened in the vacuum is little upstart EG whose Counter-Strike team actually went and played and left. And I think they went and played for Carolina or somebody else. He lost a bunch Mm -hmm. of his rosters. He didn't lose his brand. He stayed, and he actually went and did some work for them. But EG stayed an independent North American team esports brand. And so he went and knocked on everybody's door that was still looking to spend their money. Intel, Monster Energy, all, and they all were dying to keep spending their money. They didn't want to give it to the big TV product because they knew no one was going to watch DirecTV 101. They want the right. kids. Kids were going to watch that. So Alex rolls in. He gets Intel. He gets all the spot. He gets Steel Series, lands Ooh. tier one of everybody. Knocks on my door again. He's like, hey, 
now do you want to come work for me? Because I used to always <laughs> say, why do I want to work for you? You're not 3D. You're not, and I work – I'm like – I would always be a smart ass. I'd be like, Alex, I work for ESPN. You're like a sh- Dallas Cowboys. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, sh- you're not even well known like that. Like the, you know, and he'd be like, okay, I get it, I get it. And then this the, this year of this reversal, he comes knocking on my door and he's like laughing. He's like, hey, because I also leave got frag right. I quit. Uh-huh, I leave. Right. All, we all go our separate ways. And he does the typical like smart ass back to me because he's a hey, now maybe I'm worth your time. <laughs> and, and, and he absolutely was because. He had built a great team. He had a great Counter-Strike roster. He had built back. Because basically then CGS crumbles, right? It falls mm-hmm. apart. So not only does he end up after the end of CBS, CGS crumbles, all those brands are dead in the water. They can't come back. Complexity comes back like two years later. And he's gotten all the sponsorship. And now all the players and all the games that are meant to be open again, Counter-Strike, et cetera, he swoops right back in and grabs the players and stuff. So he's in a great spot. So I say, yeah, I'll yeah. join Evil Geniuses. So I join him. I'm COO for a while. I'm CEO for a while. Small company. We're all wearing a bunch of hats. So I spent a couple years helping uh, build EG uh, kind of to the next layer. We land Monster. We, we're, the first, uh, we're the first gaming sponsor that Monster has in the space and now they're everywhere in gaming um it was only red bull and like balls and like endemic energy drinks but so we we convinced them and it was basically starcraft kind of helped starcraft and dota uh, starcraft yeah. 2 and dota is really what helped convince monster um to come on in because they were looking for games that weren't as violent as counter-strike even though counter-strike is so popular right, um in those right. games those games really blew up around that time when mlgs were blowing up and koreans were starting to come over for starcraft 2 it was really a twitch was blowing up is really very a, a special kind of interesting time um in esports anyway so eg uh, i do that for quite a few years um i'm a really outspoken guy um so and I, I was before eg on forums uh whatever social platform is the place to talk about sh- I've always been that way, um, calling out bullshit where I see it, whether it's shady actors, people ripping people off, people uh, not acting as I feel they should. Um, so there comes a time in, in my career at EG that I'm on a talk show called Live on 3, a very popular show at the time, podcast, me, a guy named Slasher and a guy named DJ Wheat. And yeah. it's very it's an opinionated podcast. It's very opinionated. Um it's not necessarily a sports center. It's more like shit we're mad about and uh, you know, <laughs> they want to rant about a bad, a bad owner, a bad contract, a bad deal that, you know, six months hasn't paid people or whatever. And I find um, that I'm at a, I'm at a mental crevasse in, in, in my behavior, right? Because we're also getting to the point where a lot of our, a lot of our players are sponsored. We're very heavily sponsored and we're starting to take notice because for a while, you know, no one's getting paid. No one's making anything. So no, everyone's, everyone cares less. And right. it's not, mm-hmm. and I, I'll, I'll use the word, excuse me, cancel culture, but not necessarily in a negative way. But what I noticed is mm-hmm. we had some, at EG, we had some very outspoken players, uh, Starcrafters, uh, Idra, Hawk, like Idra, at one point, he's on record telling one of the lead developers of Activision Blizzard's game to go with a tire iron, right? Mm. Like, typed it right out in chat, like, for the world wow. to see during a tournament. Yeah. Like, yeah, wow. so, and what I noticed is fans and sponsor backlash, right? And, and in some right. regards, rightfully so. This is not a, like, woe is us. And I was like, oh, activist fans, if they get pissed off, they write letters to your sponsors. And that that actually works. Like, it's, mm-hmm. one, thing if it, it's one thing if it doesn't work. 
right? Like LeBron James can say whatever the hell he wants, probably yep. whatever he wants, get away with a lot. And some rando emailing his shoe company is probably not going to make a dent. <laughs> right. But enough people emailing Steel Series about something Greg said could cost us a lot of money because right. Steel Series has to play the game too, right? They're not, they, they don't got the armor, right? So it's like, oh, shit. Um, and I noticed, again, our outspoken players, and you have to, hey, you can't say that shit. You know, and we're not talking necessarily homophobic. Like some of this stuff is obviously obvious. You don't say that is not right. a pro. That's training any athlete or any person in front of the camera how to be media savvy and not be a idiot is not the problem, right? Those things are all. <laughs> those things are always not the problem. But it's more like you just said something maybe insulting to a Korean culture, or I, I vehemently called an owner a. F- Right. Mm-hmm. And that that owner is sponsored by this guy or that guy or the player calls on another player. Uh, you know, it's just you got to be careful. Right. Because mm-hmm. activist player bases, whether they should be activists or not. And we had didn't happen to me, but I saw some players who, again, rightfully got got their nose spanked for shit they shouldn't have said. And, and I then noticed that I was pulling my own punches. Like if I let's say Razor has some sort of scandal. Mm-hmm. Right. And Evil Geniuses is sponsored by Steel Series, mm-hmm. and I come into that show, and I'm like, "Fall Razor, Devil, 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 Devil." Well, I- inevitably, someone Razor is going to call me out as conflict <laughs> right. of interest, right? And so it was. It, it wasn't even stuff that was happening; it was stuff that I was thinking about. You know, conflict of interest is that it can happen, or that it might happen, not that it did happen. So right. I'm always thinking right. that, shit, and I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm checking myself. I don't. So I need, I have a decision to make. My players don't have a decision to make. You're representing a brand. You are getting paid to wear logos all over your shirt. You are a NASCAR driver. You are – there is no ambiguity as to what you – but I'm an owner and, a, and an employee, and that's a little different and weird, and I'm not mm-hmm. even the majority owner, right? Uh, so – but I should check myself for my own like, – I don't want to get my brand in trouble. So where do I draw my own line? Moral of the story is I decided on my voice and no longer to work out. I left the show too because I felt the Mm -hmm. show was getting a little too PC and we were all – Marcus had started to work for Twitch and Rod was trying to find jobs. And I was like, are we all starting to like either pull our punches or aim our punches, right, versus Mm -hmm. just punch? Um, and I didn't like either of those things, right? Aiming your punches for the wrong reason, you know, because you need to make someone else look good to make, you know. So I was like, eh, nah, I'm here just to rant. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not here to use the power, you know. So I'm like, I told Alex at EG, I told Marcus at Live on 3, I'm like, I'm stepping away from this. I want my voice back. I'm, I'm leaving all of it. And mm-hmm. I'll go freelance for a while and figure out what I want to do. Um, and I did that. And I also, I got tired of, like, I'm a big I'm a big checkbox kind of guy in my life. So when I feel I've also done a really good job as an egotistical thing, when I when I feel a bucket list is also a weird cliche thing, but not that I had a defined one with EG, but when I when I get along a, a, a route of a project or a thing long enough, I always look at it and go, all right, where am I at with this thing? What do I still right. want to accomplish with this thing? Right. When I was when I was doing event logistics, right? When I was grinding pharma meetings in Dallas, what's the ring of of that? What's the end game of corporate uh, logistics? Mm-hmm. Olympics, World Cups, Masters. That's the of of what we do and we're doing our thing. That's what everyone wants to do. Okay, right. did a bunch of those. Retired from it, right? What was it for team? Get EG bigger, better sponsors. Get right. their infrastructure up and running. Get this company running like no other esports team that we know of. 
I think we did that. And so I, I, I kept doing that. And so part of it was my voice. Part of it was, okay, I helped him. I need to go do something else. I'm getting kind of bored. And, and I've said this to some of the players, I got really tired of being a babysitter, right? Cause I, <laughs> there, uh, bless your heart. If you're a team owner or a content, uh, talent agent manager type, you know, if you're in the talent agent business and you know, you're an agent and you have to babysit talent cause players are talent. It is such an ego check, you know, and I have a very healthy ego, not about on air or looking good or anything, but just about who I am as a human. Right. And like, that's some demeaning when some 15 year old kids like my mouse pad, man, what the and like, you're the guy that's gotta be like, Oh, Oh, sorry. Sorry. You know? And like, like, please don't talk to me that way. I pay your salary. You're, you're, you're living in a house that uh, like we pay the rent on. Really? Really? You're going to put me like, and I have a little story about Huck, Chris Loringer, bad kid. Now he works like for craft family in Boston running their, their esports. Um, but he wow. was, a, he was a Starcraft two player, right? Huck, mm-hmm. goes by Huck, Huck, Canadian kid. Very unlike Canadian kid, not, you know, very much. Um, and again, you, you build you build your monsters, right? Just like in sports, you build monsters. When a kid from the sophomore in high school, before he even steps foot into college, is wanted by everybody on the planet, that's going to go to his head. His voice is going to go right. up. No different for a young player because this kid was in Korea, played for Liquid, one of the best foreigners. So ego, 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 ego by the time EG – and we we steal him from Team Liquid. We pay him a salary. No one had ever paid anyone, like made it a big hype thing because it was him mm-hmm. and Greg now on the same team, like Boxers United. Really cool shit we were doing back then. But – and we had some documentaries made about us, right, and uh, in an interview uh, – I get asked by this Canadian documentary team, like, tell us about Huck. And I go, you know, really gifted, really talented, but man, he is a petulant little f. <laughs> and I look, I look at the camera and I say it just like that, right? And I'm kind of thinking that one ain't going to make the edit, right? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> And uh, it, 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 it is. He's petulant. He's demanding. He's like not nice. He, you know, at, at this time in his life, he wasn't pleasant. You know, um, he put a couple of our managers like literally through, through the ringer. Anyway, so the video comes out like a year later. The final thing comes out, and he DMs me, man. And, he, and like I've left the team already, and like <laughs> I don't, I don't think he's still with EG anymore. And he DMs me, and he's like, Scott. My dad saw that man, and I, <laughs> I, I thought we were cool, and I'm like, I'm like, Chris, we're totally cool. I left DG like a year ago. Like you, you're already <laughs> like, we're, we're cool. I said that a long, I said that two years ago, right? Because it was like it took forever to edit it, you know? Right. And he's like, yeah, but my dad. And I'm like, dude, your dad knows you. Like, and he kind of starts <laughs> laughing, and he's like, yeah, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know me like you all know me, kind of thing is what he was saying, right? Like, obviously, your family doesn't see you. I'm sure right. he didn't act the same way, right? So fast forward, and again, so long sorry. So then fast forward, years later, I bump into him at a TwitchCon or something. And he's again an adult now. Like this is like right before pandemic, a couple years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like he's like, you know, you were kind of right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's had time, like he's grown up and processed. Like, you know, you look back and he's like it long story short like dealing with the the ego personalities that you help build because that's part of the magic right these right. people are, these people are god's gift and i i have was having a really hard time like 
just having to i didn't i you know i i, will, I couldn't be an agent i couldn't be that right. i i can do it in doses um and that i was just kind of at because it's also before they were but i i would say that the teams still are losing money because now they're all vc funded and they're still chasing mm-hmm. they're still chasing big revenue they're not they're not living steel series to monster to seal series check like we were like right. you, li- you lived and died by your sponsor checks you they were bigger uh, but you know now they've got they've got millions tucked away at least right for, uh, as they as they work their their systems out so like it was also that was in my mentality is like why 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 are we trying to build what may never come for these kind of kids like I, I can't do it I'm out Alex and Alex is a much more sensitive <laughs> it takes kind of a sensitive I mean again like you have to be a certain kind of person to be an agent and like uh-huh. because it's a whole lot of like yes okay. whatever you need yeah and then you just i guess you go punch walls or something else you know but yeah so i had a couple years of it it was great had a good time with it so i leave eg i'm sorry this i'll eventually kill all the tape in your podcast Um, (laughs) i leave eg uh and jason's probably laughing right now going i told him to work on this thing uh i leave eg i go freelance i start directing and producing for tournament organizers for game developers uh did some blizzcons did a bunch of stuff for esl uh started then counter-strike global offensive pops its head back you know counter-strike kind of did this thing over the years 1.6 came and gone a little bit north america kind of stopped caring about it global offensive gets dropped the whole world wakes back up to it it never really died as a european esport 1.6 was actually still tons of people were playing it Mm -hmm. Uh, even they were battling for a while when global offensive came out north america's teams had kind of moved on but then this game drops and i am and obviously it is my game it's what i've been known for um so i instantly get asked which was weird to me but i wasn't going to say no because i think it's the easiest job in the world um to to host and be on air for counter-strike tournaments right and again Mm -hmm. as someone who spent hours behind cameras you know those people show up four hours before talent and leave four hours after talent, maybe right. prepare for the next day. So what I was like, wait, I just got to show up and talk and sh- sure. <laughs> I don't have to do the run of show and worry about the ground. Oh, this is f- great. Um, so I started hosting um, uh, majors and different various events as all these tournament organizers started standing up their counter-strike uh, tournaments, did a bunch of majors. Um, then very quickly, again, I'm not necessarily an on-air born and bred kind of guy. I've, old i'm bald uh and very quickly you know guys like richard lewis um a bunch of machine stunna uh, on the lady side the freyas the frankies you know uh and even shocks nowadays much better host i was a host right a desk host not mm-hmm. an analyst not an in-game caster or play-by-play or any of the in-game stuff i was a desk host because i can anchor that conversation and move it around but right. i very quickly you know also it's a freelance job Right, freelance job, going right. somewhere else, another hotel, food. Uh, I liked it for a while. I got, I was like, okay, I did it. I did a bunch of majors. The pinnacle of Counter Strike is majors. As soon as I did the one in North America for MLG in Columbus, I was like, I'm done. Like my favorite game with my buddy Jason, because Jason ran production on the in game on that. Um, I was like, that's it. I don't need to do any more of this in game. I don't need to do Counter Strike anymore. I'm good. Right. Um, and so I slowly started pulling away from that and literally, again, went into retirement mode, went on cruises and started just fucking around and becoming just that outspoken guy. I'm a big player rights advocate. So mm-hmm. amongst all this, the last five, eight years, I've been helping the Counter-Strike players um, organize themselves, which has eventually led to 
two, three years ago, maybe four years ago now, um, them organizing the CSPPA, which is the Counter-Strike Professional Player Association. So they have a player association that's much like the NFLPA or all those in sports. Uh, mm-hmm. LCSPA, League of Legends North America has one for their league here. So very player activist. So I still do all that kind of stuff on the side. Um, and yeah, and then again, during that retirement, this thing with Jason popped its head, Do Not Peak Entertainment was born. Fast forward, here we are right now talking to you there it is <laughs> you know and it, we gotta go <laughs> no, you know and good show everybody <laughs> what what i've always found kind of intriguing and fascinating about the esports production world is so many uh leagues have tried to draw the parallels to, to traditional sports but i think what uh, and you touched on this before, what traditional sports broadcasts have kind of nailed down uh, is you can watch a football game not being a football fan and kind of gain an understanding at least somewhat by the end of a game, right? So, like, it, it's very easy for the, them to draw in a new fan. And I think that that there's been a lot of esports leagues that, that you know, I've watched, uh, that I've showed friends to, you know, that maybe they're not into that game, that, that it's hard for them to pick up on. So what, from you guys' perspective, are those challenges on having that in-depth coverage, obviously, that your core fan's going to want, but also being accessible enough to draw in that fan that, that's coming in, or potential fan that's coming in to this broadcast and wants to get invested in it, but doesn't have that history as, as a core a core fan does. Yeah, I think it's a tough one because our sports are so different, our esports right. if you will, right? So you know, some of them are so dramatically easy to understand. I take Street Fighter. At mm-hmm. its core should be watched by everybody, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um because it's very easy to understand, you know, you got two health bars. The guys are punching each other. Sure, the nuances of like frame rate and like blocks and all the different moves and the combos and like easy to watch, easy to play, mm-hmm. incredibly difficult to master. That's right. a good esport, right? Yep. So, but why don't a million people watch Street Fighter tournaments? Why don't they? Because it's it, it because it's not a barrier to understanding right. that I'm kicking your ass your health bars in the red and you're almost dead. So, so I think part of it is the fan probably has to have some level of caring and engagement in the genre you want them to watch. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to watch a baseball game ever because I don't care about baseball. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like that. Um, So maybe you got to lean towards fighting games because even within fighting games, you might, not watch Street Fighter, you might only watch Marvel, or you only watch Street Fighter and you hate Marvel and Guilty Gear is crap, you know, or you know, like even within that genre. So, I th- I think I don't know if you'll find non-gamers entertained by gaming content on the on a big enough percentage that they matter. Okay, I mm. think the bigger conversation is: Do you have to have gamers really play your game at some sort of scale? For your esport to have acceptable numbers of viewership, that makes right? Because right. to me, the those that play the game are the regulars in your restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Or the potentials of the regulars in your restaurant. League of Legends is the most popular esport on the planet because it's also the most popular game on the planet, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The eyeball ratio percentage of people that might be interested in your pros playing is 
automatically higher just because so many more people are just playing that game, period. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, and that game is also complicated, right? That is not one that you just tune in and go, oh, I exactly. totally. I, and same with Dota. You can put them right next to each other. They're very similar, right? Right. Uh, uh, and so not easy for a uh, do, do, flip in the channel. What's this? Oh, shit. What is this? No idea. Counter-Strike, I think, is also not easy until it's very quickly explained to you. Then you go, I get it. Because mm-hmm. you, right. you just need to have two tells. You need to know the colors of the teams are different colors and there's objectives. And that's not told to you. It never told mm-hmm. to you in a broadcast. Hey, welcome to Counter-Strike. Just a reminder, guys. FaZe has to plant the bomb this right. round. Like, no one says that shit. <laughs> but then no one also says, hey, by the way, Brady's got to throw a touchdown. Like, no one says that either, right? right. Obviously, he's on offense. So, I, I get off your question. So, I think a lot of things determine esports viability, right? And Because uh, there's viability in the sense of a good quality esport. Like, I think Rocket League is also one of those that should transcend absolutely happen to play it or ever grab a controller to maybe be entertained by it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it cars and a ball. And I should very easily understand that, but do I need to play it to know how hard it is to then appreciate it? That's maybe the rub. We're all generationally raised. We all know how hard it is to hit a golf ball. Right. Why? Mm-hmm. Even if you never ever have tried to swing at a golf ball, you know, it's hard, right? Yep. Right. You know, it's really hard to hit a baseball and you've never swung at a major league pitch. Right. But so I wonder if that's all. And again, this is me maybe getting like all metaphysical here. Maybe for a fan to really appreciate it, you got to at least be a gamer of some sort to just have the understanding of, oh, keyboard and mouse. It's hard to aim with. Oh, controller. Like maybe not to be a gamer, a really hardcore of that genre, but maybe you have to be a little bit of a one of us to have an appreciation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think. Again, I think a lot of things make a good esport, but to me, even a good esport doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of people are going to watch it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it, that because a good a viewership is not indication of a good esport. It it it, it is right. the it needs to be for it to be a business, right? right? But you can have a great <laughs> like um, yeah, uh, Quake. Quake is probably one of the greatest esports, right? But it has terrible viewership. Always has, right. you know. Um, but like, it's it's poetry in motion. Two duelers going at it. It is literally, it is F one. It is whatever you like, whatever you want to say. The hardest sport is mm-hmm. probably Quake Duel. Could be it, or like, and, and again, same thing. This is the random thing. But can you appreciate? Starcraft 2 APM and how hard it is to hit all those buttons on a keyboard in Starcraft or any of those kind of games right. if you haven't if you haven't tried and got your ass kicked by the computer <laughs> right and maybe maybe right. just watching GSL isn't enough to transcend that to you I don't know um, now how do you fix that well I know what I used to like and maybe they still do it international you used to do that newbie stream for Dota and you could tune in and they would talk to you like you were five years old uh, during the entire <laughs> Dota international it was great you know, they would explain everything. Oh, that's what this is. This is that. Oh, BTP. That means this. Yeah, you'll hear this a lot. And it was great. It was like, explain it to me like I'm five. And you know what? Sports is starting to do it. Did you see that Nickelodeon right. uh, NFL yes. game right yep, there? Yep. Like, they're yeah. all, they're all awesome. like, let's, we'll just skin our sport for whatever you need to see it in, you know? Like, it's right. cool shit. 
Long ranty answer. I'm not sure I even answered it. No, you're fine. And it kind of <laughs> it kind of reminds me too of of when poker was kind of booming in po- popularity. That in those mm-hmm. early broadcasts, they literally spelled out the rules at the start of the uh, edited episodes. Uh, and and so yeah, no, it, that makes sense because that that immediately kind of popped in my head there. Yep. Yeah, and I I think I know we've talked about this a little bit too. Is just really focusing on building out some characters. That's one thing that about traditional sports. There's certain people that everybody knows their name i think that would help to bolster and bring more interest into games uh being creating not necessarily it being a character but i mean a person and and you know whether people are attracted to who they are and building those stars out i feel that uh uh league of legends you know they've they've done a great job of doing that as well and i love to see that kind of translated into more of these leagues um i i think would be fantastic uh yeah, I, 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 I hate to cut this short. I just uh, want to say, no, I just sorry, want to go think, ahead, go ahead. To that point, I think we are challenged and engaged, and we we owe it to do better than sports because, again, where we lack is we don't see our athletes on their field as them. Right. We see mm-hmm. them as this digital representation of whatever character they are whatever game they're playing so it behooves us as production people team owners tos game developers to build the storylines even more so of the humans behind the controller or the keyboard or mouse you know that's when i love when you do see that embedded pov camera whenever they're in game and you see the guy yeah he might just be like doing this but you you see him because he's gonna go like this (laughs) you're gonna see the agony defeat you know abc wild world of sports right thrill of victory agony of defeat and you have to show those things for us to feel that we're connecting on a human level with those players because they're they are human they're not just these digital things absolutely 100 percent i'm curious to see how how things uh move forward in the future and with everything that's going on things coming back to normal uh how they go forward and i i think there's still a great opportunity especially with everybody being forced into this digital world you've got a lot more eyes and a lot more people that are comfortable with exploring that realm and i feel like it's a good opportunity to be able to capitalize on that uh as far as esports and and just gaming in general yeah definitely definitely Absolutely. Scott, again, thank you so much for joining us. What a fantastic conversation. Please tell us where can people find what you guys got going on at Do Not Peak Entertainment? Yeah, all our our shortcuts are all DNPeak everywhere. It basically stands for Do Not Peak. So on Twitter, DNPeak. YouTube, you can find us at Do Not Peak Entertainment. Uh, Our website is DNPeak.com. That also has all our stuff listed. But definitely check it all out. We're just jumping on TikTok as well under that DNPeak and Instagram. Getting that all rocking and rolling right now because that's what you got to do. Got to go everywhere. And yeah. Um, and on Twitch, also DM Peak. Awesome. Absolutely. Make sure you guys go check it out. I, I love the fact that everything that you guys got going on, uh, the facility, just the work that you guys are doing is fantastic. Thank you so much again for coming yes, on. We appreciate it. We appreciate that history lesson as well, because that was <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Seriously, like that, like that gets into the beginnings of where we are yeah, now. Yeah. I absolutely love that stuff. So thank you so much again, Scott. We appreciate it. Most welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Go Red Rebels. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They need they need some help in a lot of areas on on the field and in <laughs> <and> court. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, 
Okay, Ryan, I, I said this a few weeks ago and I promptly ignored it. So I am going headfirst back into seafood this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. have prepped myself. <laughs> I have like give, given myself, uh, you know, that the Breathe app on the Apple Watch that is ready to go when <laughs> I uh, get frustrated too much. <laughs> but I am just bound and determined to beat this game, Ryan. I. This is like this is my year goal. Like this has to this has to happen this year. <laughs> yeah. What are you up to, yes. Ryan? Uh, you know that. Th- yeah. Eventually, I'll get back to that game. Like I said, but Tiny Tina definitely has my uh, attention. However, actually, uh, this week I'm headed to Boston uh, for PAX East. Oh, so if you're gonna be out in Boston, hit me up. If you're gonna be at PAX East, hit me up. I know I, I spoke to uh, Dr. Cowart. Uh, she was on the. Uh, show here uh, a little while back so excited to be able to actually connect with her in person and and we'll see it should be a good time i've never been i've only been to boston once and i've never been to pax uh, a pax so i'm just excited to get out there hang out see some people i haven't seen in years this is like the first like real big traveling i've done in a while so uh i'm just excited to, to that you know it have some normalcy and, and get out and get around my people uh, as far as games and whatnot. So it should be fun. I'm excited. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and move forward. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, for listening, for watching, watching. That's that's a new word. If you guys did not know, uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much. If you want to connect with us, don't forget hit us up on the tweeters at Land Parties Pod at Lucas Hagen or at Smitty two four four seven. Again, we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week, and you know what it is. We love your faces.